This is Live from Ukraine, a conversation with Ukrainian voices taped live on Twitter Spaces. To join future audiences, follow me at Benjamin Wittes. Hey, everybody. You are listening to Live from Ukraine. This is uh, Friday afternoon, Washington time. Uh, I am not live from Ukraine. I am live from Washington, but I am joined on Twitter spaces by Anastasia Bakulina, who, uh, where are you us from? I'm from Lviv. And you're there now? Yes. Uh, Anastasia is the founder and uh, CEO of Svidoni Media, which we'll be talking about in a second, which is a, uh, 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 a news outlet that does Twitter, Instagram, and Telegram uh, news about Ukraine, both in Ukrainian and English. Uh, and so I want to start, uh, if we could, with just uh, the same question I ask everybody, which is, where were you uh, uh, when the current full-scale invasion began on February 24th, and how have you spent uh, the three months of the war so far? Uh, I was at my friend's house uh, and uh, I wake up uh, from messages from my friend uh, who noticed me about uh, invasion. And uh, after that, I wake up and uh, and I go to my work chats where all my um, uh, team were awake. And, uh, uh, I ask, and they asked me, what should we do? And I say, we should work. So our uh, work began like uh, with uh, inv- during invasion, and it was twenty four seven. Now it's a little normalized, uh, but still we are working harder than we work uh, before invasion. Yeah. So uh, you are the uh, the first person to be on this show who runs a news organization, uh, and so. You know, I'm I'm sort of an old-time journalist myself. Uh, your role is different from other people's. Other people can, you know, get up and leave, can leave the country. Uh, that is much harder when you're running a news organization that you're supposed to be covering the events. Uh, uh, so tell us a little bit about Sfidomi Media. Uh, how many people are you? What is the mission of the organization? And how has it responded to the war? Uh, I founded Svidomi uh, more than three years ago uh, because I noticed that my friends uh, and other students uh, and young people uh, aren't interested in news and uh, in the political situation in Ukraine. Uh, so I want to change it. I, uh, I'm not a professional journalist, actually. I studied uh, at that time uh, at psychology and uh, um, I tried to create a blog for the first time. Uh, And it was a small team, like we were a team of three. And uh, it was only in my university, which is Ukrainian uh, Catholic University. And uh, there were a lot of, uh, our readers were a lot of students of the university. After um, some time, we began to grow. Uh, and we are uh, growing a little faster. Um, we began to grow a little faster a year ago, year and a half, I guess. And we uh, began to grow <clears throat> more and more faster during this war, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately for this war. Um, and uh, our mission is to um, keep in touch with young people and show them uh, in ordinary way uh, a political situation in Ukraine, explain them hard and difficult topics. Uh, and uh, it, during the war, um, uh, we changed our format because uh, our format uh, uh, became, uh, our, our before this war was five uh, most important news uh, during the day. And uh, because of this invasion, we changed the, our work. And uh, now we are like, um, uh, uh, we faster, we, work, we began to work faster and, uh, we get, uh, and we are not slow media anymore. Uh, and we still uh, like um, uh, uh, we still uh, follow uh, this news and choose only the most important. But there are a lot of news uh, till now for these three months. So, uh, we work twenty four seven, I guess. We continue working uh, for that format, and uh, there are we are like um, fast news, I guess, like a normal uh, online media's in our time. 
And how many people work for Sfidomi? What what is like where where are your people and and how are you organized? Uh, we uh, have a team of more than two people for now, and we are uh, continue growing because uh, we are searching for journalists, uh, marketologists, and uh, other. And our uh, team is uh, in different places, like some of them uh, are in Canada, in uh, Britain. Some of them are uh, in different uh, cities of Ukraine, but uh, all are in safe places. So we have the impression uh, that Lviv these days is quite safe, notwithstanding the occasional uh, 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 rocket attack Talk to us a little bit just about the situation where you are and uh, how how under control it is. Uh, well, it's uh, actually under control. Uh, yes, we have our airstrikes uh, and uh, we uh, heard uh, a different type of rockets and uh, there are uh, still then but there are not um, uh, as uh, high the, uh, level of danger as on the east, uh, for example. And now I'm sitting and I'm waiting for uh, air alarm because there are a lot of um, uh, danger during, uh, on the whole uh, territory of Ukraine. And uh, there are, uh, I guess, uh, they are not as open as it was like two months ago, for example. But uh, I... There are, and there are different notices that we should be careful because there are risk of uh, invasion from the territory of uh, Belarus. Uh, so uh, we just like uh, it's our it's like our new normal for us. So how many in Lviv? How many airstrikes are there each day? I, I mean, when you say it's pretty safe, it's pretty under control, but there are still airstrikes. A lot of people don't think of airstrikes as pretty safe. Are we talking? one or two a day somewhere in the city? Or are we talking an air raid siren can go off any time? What's the, what's, what is the new normal like in Lviv? I guess for us in, uh, uh, in Lviv, a new normal is like uh, once a week, I guess, <laughs> this airstrikes. It's like you never guess because we were, um, uh, uh, we think that it will be more airstrikes um, at um, 9th May. But uh, there were no airstrikes uh, on Lviv, but there were uh, a lot of airstrikes after that. And um, uh, I guess our, um, I don't know how it's in, uh, uh, in English. Um, uh, uh, so we are a lot, um, I guess we are safe now. Uh, and we are, more, we, were, we are more safe now than we were in the beginning of war because uh, we are ready now. We know what is air strikes, what is air alarms. We are ready for that. We know where to hide. We know how to, and that's why it's more safe for us. So, and uh, there are not as much air strikes as it, it's in Kherson, for example, or on other east territories. And uh, I guess uh, for us, it's better to be ready. So we are ready, and um, uh, we know what to do. And so. Tell us a little bit about, uh, you say Svidomi has been 24-7 for the three months of the war. Um, what is the specific uh, role that, I, I mean, there's a whole lot of Ukrainian uh, media organizations that we've all become aware of over the last three months. What distinguishes you guys and what's the, the role that you've carved out for Svidomi over the last several years and over the last few months in particular? Well, uh, first of all, uh, our main role is to work for youth. And uh, I know that there are a lot of young people uh, who, uh, which we help uh, to understand better what is going on in Ukraine, uh, to understand some political processes, to um, uh, form their political position. It's a, big, it's a huge responsibility, actually, for us. And that's how we work. So we, are, um, uh, we know uh, which uh, we have five main things uh, for us. It's Crimea, it's uh, war, uh, it's uh, our um, uh, foreign affairs, it's uh, um, Crimean Tatars, and it's East. Uh, so uh, we are uh, we were focused on these topics, and now uh, our main topics is that Russian invasion, uh, 
uh, in Ukraine, and uh, we uh, still um, manage our work that we could uh, create some ana analytics, uh, some uh, interviews, some. Um, like spaces but in uh, uh, Instagram our main platform uh, and uh, we are listening for to our audience uh, what we what they uh, uh, have should to know what they want to know and what they want to discover so we are actually uh, working a lot uh, and uh, writing we are writing a lot I guess before the invasion about culture and um, uh, we uh, write um, a lot about uh, history because it's important so we have different collaborations with um, uh, uh, historical bloggers uh, influencers um, uh, uh, other pages in Instagram uh, who are created historical content, uh, content and uh, that's our main work. Uh, actually, we are now, like for the last month and a half, we are not working 24-7. Uh, we have uh, our, um, uh, uh, spa our hours and it's from uh, 7 a.m to uh, 1 a.m. Uh, we have a lot of people who are change uh, one another and uh, it's uh, still hard, but not as hard as it was at the beginning of the of invasion. So I'm interested in the five topics. I think if you asked most Americans or Westerners, what would be the five big themes that would be of interest to Ukrainian youth that you'd build a media organization around? Um, okay, the war, of course, right? Foreign policy, uh, sure. Um, the East, I understand. But I, I, I thought the, the two that you mentioned that are fascinating to me are Crimea and Crimean Tartars. Uh, uh, and I guess the question is, uh, uh, so one is a section of the country that has been under... Uh, full Russian occupation and annexation since 2014. And the other is a minority group within that, uh, from that uh, region in particular. Why are these two areas of particular concern to Ukrainian youth that you would build, uh, build them as central to the site? Uh, well, uh, first of all, we use uh, not uh, meaning of occupation, but a temporary occupation for Crimea and uh, east uh, of Ukraine. And uh, uh, we, um, uh, I, uh, I'm very um, interested in Crimea and in Crimean Tatars, and uh, that's why uh, we choose these two topics. Uh, and we try to tell uh, youth that Crimea is still Ukraine, and uh, we um, uh, Ukrainians and Crimean Tatars has common history, and we have common interests, and uh, we should uh, keep in touch with them. So uh, we should understand that uh, they are our our friends. They um, belong to Crimea, uh, and uh, that's why. Uh, and our um, Main topic for us is to, is to explain youth uh, why they should know about Crimean Tatars more and uh, remember uh, that Crimea is still Ukraine and we, of course, um, uh, and it will be under Ukrainian uh, control, I guess soon. Um, how how is Svidomi funded? What's the uh, is 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 it a uh, is it a, a sort of labor of love for the people involved in it? Is it a, uh, is it a, a, you know, is it advertising based? What, 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 I mean, it's a 30 people is a, is a significant operation. Uh, how are you, how, how, you know, what funds it all? Well, it's a good question because our main feature is uh, that uh, we are working still on uh, volunteering and uh, we all are volunteers of course uh, we are looking for grants for some fundings but it's harder than we thought it will be and we have a uh, patreon uh, we will have paypal uh, we have uh, like credit cards which you can donate for us but yes we still volunteering it's really hard 
and uh, it's um, uh, very it's a great example how uh, people uh, want to improve something in their country and they are ready to work uh, as volunteers but it's a very sad situation that uh, in really independent media have to work on uh, like volunteers it's sad because uh, you know um, in the US and in Europe is better situation for uh, paying for content and we are still uh, um, teach our uh, uh, our subscribers how to pay and why they should pay for the con content because we are really independent and uh, they are actually uh, not quite believe us that, that we are independent that we are uh, working as volunteers they thought that we have some um, uh, good uh, uh, people good men uh, who are paying for us and stay interest and uh, interests but it's not true uh, so uh, we, it's like another hard work for us uh, but we are trying our best. And if uh, listeners want to support uh, you through the Patreon, what's the Patreon address? Uh, it's Swedomi Media. Uh, Swedomi Patreon. You, uh, it's easy to uh, find us. So yes, I uh, invite us for another Patreon, and I will be, will be very grateful as are the thirty people in our team. Yeah, and just for those who uh, who. Uh, don't have Slavic, Slavic, uh, Cyrillic uh, 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 character sets in their heads. Uh, spell Svidomi, S-V-I-D-O-M-I underscore uh, media. Um, so I'm I'm interested in your sense of the external journalism about Ukraine uh, over the last really six months, uh, even before the full invasion. There has just been an intense international media focus on Ukraine and on the Ukrainian-Russian uh, conflict and on internal Ukrainian politics. And I'm, I'm interested for your sense, how's the international media doing with it? Is, is, it's obviously a sharp learning curve for a lot of people, but has has the world media done a decent job with this or or... Or are you frustrated, or both? Well, um, I guess uh, 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 like other media in US uh, or in Europe uh, is doing great, actually. But there are some questions uh, for them. For example, like this editorial in New York Times about um, uh, give up, giving up for Ukraine some territory to Russia. Uh, it's unacceptable, and uh, there are a lot of discussions about that, and also about uh, favorite topic, I guess, uh, in uh, uh, in media in US and Europe uh, about uh, good Russians, and uh, um, they uh, ask to not to hate, to stop hating Russians, like support them because they are victims too. But uh, we can't. Uh, we can't uh, stop hating Russians because they are responsible for what uh, for this invasion too. It's not just Putin. There are a lot of uh, calls which our um, government recorded uh, about how uh, ordinary soldiers raped our women, our children, how they want to kill us, how they eat our animals like dogs, for example. It's... Uh, uh, worse than animals for them. And, um, when we are uh, like reading some editorials, we are uh, and watching um, uh, events like uh, that events in uh, Davos, uh, and uh, look how uh, some of Sianikova were nominated and uh, and uh, was a winner of some prize, I guess for uh, her work. It's uh, devastating for us because Avsenikova um, uh, worked for uh, federal uh, TV channels in Russia uh, for many years and uh, uh, she uh, did nothing for, to support us. And after invasion, she decided to show your uh, hair poster uh, for, um, uh, support, to support Ukraine. And it's like, uh, it's, it's devastating too. And uh, it's just gets us angry because where you were, where were you like uh, four years ago, eight years ago, when uh, was occupied in Bas, Crimea, 
And uh, this topic uh, frustrates us, what, this topic about good Russians, because there are no good Russians. There are responsible uh, Russians who vote for Putin, who doesn't come for protests, who uh, and who now played uh, victims. And it's important for us and it's important for world for world to understand they, that there are no good Russians. There are only uh, responsible uh, Russians what, uh, for what is going on in their country and what their country uh, doing with our country. That's all. So I want to take these two issues uh, separately. Um, uh, let's start with the New York Times editorial, um, which I understand has generated a great deal of consternation uh, uh, among Ukrainians, particularly combined with the Davos discussions and Henry Kissinger's comments at, at Davos. Um, is there a lot of anxiety on Ukrainians that you talk to that, you know, the West is going to suddenly demand uh, a, a, a peace deal on terms that require Ukraine to uh, to cede uh, land, or is there uh, an understanding that these voices, the Times and Kissinger, are actually pretty marginal right now, and that you know the administration, the U.S. administration, is not in that place at all? And I think, with the exception of certain European countries, not a lot of other people are as well. Do, is, is the New York Times editorial sort of seen as a bellwether of where the West is going or as a as a stupid outlying voice? Well, I guess there are no anxiety, uh, but there are a lot of anger. Uh, we are angry and uh, because it's um, it's really you, you get angry when someone offers you to just give up for some territories. It's our territory, I guess. Uh, like Crimea is still Ukraine and is still our territory and um, it hurts me. I explain why, because uh, when I was a child, I used to uh, travel to Crimea every summer and spend my holidays there. And uh, I still um, haven't seen uh, many views, many places in Crimea because of Russians. And uh, I hope that uh, when, I when I get older, I still will have a chance to visit Crimea as a Ukrainian territory. And I haven't been um, uh, in most uh, uh, cities uh, on the east of Ukraine. I have never. I was in Kherson only once. I never was in Mariupol, and I still want to see these places, to see these cities. Uh, I still want to um, speak with uh, citizens in their own cities, and I don't want to give up. I don't want to uh, to Russia to create some uh, hybrid. Uh, um, uh, territories and like Dener and Elner in uh, Ukraine and uh, I want to return our previous territory and not to give up another and uh, it's like um, uh, our source are on the east and uh, and it's like uh, demoralizations of their work uh, for these proposals for these offers uh, to give up some territories and uh, uh, I don't understand actually Italy or France for their um, uh, words to give up some territories because, okay, let's try to give up some uh, your territory and uh, uh, show how you react and uh, feel it, feel uh, our pain. And after that, we will continue uh, talking with you. Uh, it's about, it's all I can say about this topic. Yeah, so I, I it seems to me just in, in reading uh, Ukrainian responses to it, that there's another angle here that is, upsetting to people, which is just the idea that people in the West feel entitled to bargain away Ukrainian territory and that there's a, you know, that the New York Times editorial page sits around in a kind of almost sort of like, like it's the interwar years between World War I and World War II when we, you know, carve up Czechoslovakia or, or mm -hmm. you know, uh, have a negotiation between countries that aren't, that don't have, that don't have soldiers in the field about the fate of, of other countries and that there's just something incredibly arrogant about Henry Kissinger in Davos saying, oh yeah, you know, the Ukrainians are going to have to give up some territory as though it's his territory to negotiate over. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Yes, that's my actual point. Uh, because I actually 
don't understand when uh, some France or Italy uh, offers us to uh, give up for some sanctions, to easy some sanctions on Russia. And I was like, what the actual fuck? <laughs> because uh, Russia uh, made uh, uh, horror stories in Bucha, uh, in Mariupol. There are a lot of uh, wounded uh, soldiers children, there are a lot of killed women, raped women, uh, raped children, raped uh, elder people, and there are a lot of scary stories, and there are a lot of uh, traumatized people there, and yet world, like three months later, uh, offers us to bargain some territories, to ease some sanctions, and I just don't understand how, how we continue not to teach on our mistakes. Like, for me, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. So I want to push back a little bit about the good Russians issue. I mean, at the beginning of the war, there are demonstrations all over Russia. A lot of people get arrested. Um, A lot of people are facing uh, a lot of prison time. Um, And uh, there are people who have opposed Putin over a very long period of time, and some of them have paid with their lives for it. Some of them are in prison. Some of them are uh, uh, in exile. Um, uh, Why do you insist that there can be no good Russians? Uh, It's a country of 150 million people. Uh, Surely we can distinguish between those who are, uh, those who have uh, been, uh, uh, been, uh, courageous and oppositional, and those who have been suddenly discovered that position, as you uh, uh, describe of the, I forget her name, the Russian television lady, uh, mm-hmm. and those who have been supportive the whole time. Uh, well, my friend once said a good um, thought, uh, like all these participants uh, in protests in Russia, it's only thousands of people like no hundred thousand it's like uh, like i guess fifteen thousand people maybe less maybe a little more but uh, as you said it's um, there are uh, there are millions of people uh living in russia and it's only it's less than one percent who actually uh go for these protests and where and like hundreds of them were in prison and uh, other and in exile and uh other their stories. Um, that's one point. My second point is that um, real Russian op- opposition is that, <laughs> like Navalny is not opposition. It's uh, another uh, Putin for me, but just a little um, not, not, not as I guess uh, unconscious uh, as uh, as Putin uh, himself. Because uh, Navalny uh, said about Crimea that it's not sand, it's not some sandwich that's uh, to go back and forth. Like, okay, uh, we were wrong about uh, occupi- uh, occupation, but now it's part of Russia, so let be it. It's it's not opposition. It's like it's continuing with uh, uh, Putin's regime, and uh, uh, it's like uh, the same is about uh, the journalists. Uh, who are continue to uh, making interviews with civilians and like uh, ask them about uh, militarization, uh, where are our military services, like ask that question that uh, uh, can only harm um, our soldiers and uh, our uh, uh, military uh, politics. So uh, for me, they are still the same because uh, none of them. Uh, said that yes, I'm responsible for the, for uh, my country. I'm responsible for what Russia is doing now, and I'm sorry. And I want to um, become better person, I guess, to help you really. But no, they are doing. Uh, they are playing as a victims. And for me, it's. Uh, uh, I guess I get. I, uh, I get very angry when I saw that. Uh, so for me, there are no good Russians. I uh, actually, uh, I really hate them, and I have my uh, right for that for, for it because of Bucha, because of Mariupol, because of Azovstal, uh, because of Irpin, and many, many, many other cities because of Shastya uh, city, uh, who uh, which isn't exist anymore because of uh, our Maria, which is not exist anymore uh, because of uh, more than hundred children which are dying. 
and uh, which are dead now, who are dead now. And uh, for me, it's very painful. And uh, really, at least you can do is to stop believe in good Russians. We are going to go to audience questions. If you have a question, please uh, uh, request to speak. Keep yourself muted until it is your turn, until I call on you. And when I call on you, please keep your question brief. Please keep it in the form of a question, uh, or I will dismiss you with a shocking lack of due process. Ev, the floor is yours. Thanks. Um, you said that you now know how to deal with airstrikes. Um, can you describe that process for us? Like you're waiting for an air, an air alarm, then, then what? What happens when the alarms come? Uh, well, uh, when it, uh, I, uh, I have like special app for alarm, alarm, it's uh, it's very unpleasant noise actually. Uh, after that, we should go to shelter. Uh, we have different type of shelters, but um, I actually uh, sitting in my bathroom or uh, in my hall. Uh, it's also safe because you know I'm not actually in Lviv. I am nearby, and uh, it's a safe place here, safe territory, so I shouldn't uh, hide in shelter. But my friends who are in Lviv, who um, uh, live near some military constructions, they are going for shelters. It uh, can be uh, like uh, a parking zone or, uh, I guess, uh, uh, some basements. Uh, well, I guess I have home, a uh, uh, private home, I have basement. Uh, also, I'm um, in the flat now, so I uh, go uh, in the basement, in the general basement, uh, in my um, uh, flat, uh, under my flat. And uh, also, a bathroom is also a great choice. And uh, as a hole in, ba- uh, in my uh, private home or in the hall. And after that, I'm waiting uh, when the alarm is uh, uh, finished when there are no um, uh, strikes and I uh, can return to my normal life, uh, as I can say, as it's normal. Yeah, and so when, when, do you have a sense when you look around Lviv at the buildings that have been hit in airstrikes uh, versus the ones that haven't, do you have the sense of the strikes as targeted at any particular type of building, or are they just uh, bombing indiscriminately? Uh, well, I'm. Uh, uh, I love our city center, and um, for me, painful to watch how um, there are a lot of hidden monuments because uh, we are afraid uh, they will be. Um, uh, this, uh, the airstrike is going on them and so they are uh, hidden in this uh, um, I don't know how to explain it uh, in normal way but uh, it look uh, ugly and it look <clears throat> unpleasant for me and uh, and it's uh, painful to watch how this uh, beautiful center uh, is waiting for some airstrikes uh, so, so I guess this waiting uh, is uh, really, um, I guess, painful and it gives some anxiety sometimes. Uh, but uh, there are um, uh, not a lot, there are no, um, I guess, we don't have uh, much uh, buildings that they are hard. And uh, because there are a lot of uh, airstrikes which were missed. So uh, they don't, um, uh, they want to hit uh, our uh, railways and they couldn't uh, they want to hit our airport and they couldn't so um, there are a lot to um, uh, missed strikes I guess Auntie the floor is yours thank you so uh, do you have any uh, friends or family or relatives or uh, anyone you know who who is a farmer and uh, I, I was very interested to hear if you what your uh, take is on uh, how are the farmers in Ukraine currently doing are, are they uh, being able to take uh, you know uh, plant plant seeds and uh, do do all that they should ca- should be doing because uh, agriculture as we most of us are aware is such an important uh, aspect of uh, of uh, the life and uh, economy in Ukraine. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 
uh, well, uh, on the south on, on, and on the east of Ukraine, uh, they are not able to do anything because they are under occupation. occupation. And uh, I have some friends who um, are farmers on the west, and they're actually doing good. Uh, yes, there are some, uh, like during this alarms or uh, possibility of airstrikes, uh, their work uh, stops, but um, in most time they continue doing their job. Uh, it's not uh, this uh, amount of work uh, like uh, it, it was before invasion. So yeah, there are uh, there are huge crises and uh, like a lack of uh, our products, but uh, 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 our world should uh, send us more military weapons uh, to change that situation. My impression is that a huge problem for the agriculture right now is less the planting and cultivation than the uh, blockade in the Black Sea uh, is. And, and that there's a lot of there's a lot of agricultural goods that have been harvested and can't be moved out of the country. Is that right? Uh, yes, and actually there are a lot of uh, products that are Russian steal from us and try to uh, sold it uh, to other countries. And yeah, sure, if this country is okay and their politics is healthy, so uh, they couldn't buy it from Russia because it's stolen. And um, uh, we have uh, a blockade in uh, Black Sea. We have stolen our pro we have stolen products from Ukraine. Um, we have uh, half of the territory under occupation, and uh, here we are in the middle of this uh, uh, crisis. And the other thing that's been stolen—I don't mean to sound flip when I say this—that's been stolen from Ukraine over the last three months is a huge number of people that yes. there have been. A, a kind of mass kidnapping and deportation from uh, from occupied territories. Do you, what do we know about how many Ukrainians are missing and assumed to be alive and in Russia? You know, actually, we don't have any current numbers because uh, we don't have any lists of them. Uh, most of them uh, were deported uh, without their passports, without any documents. Uh, and it's really sick to hear that in 2022, we talking about deportation. You know, we know about um, this huge uh, deportation uh, of Crimean Tatars in 1944. Uh, and now there are another deportation of Ukrainians uh, from their homes. It's... Um, it's very sick and it's very uh, unhealthy politic from Russia. It's uh, just uh, continue, uh, the Russia continue their uh, work from uh, past centuries, from uh, World War II, and it's still aggressor, it's still a huge crime. And uh, I don't know how we can normalize that, how we can regular uh, that uh, after uh, our victory and how we could return our people uh, from that territories, because there are a lot of uh, wounded people, there are a lot of uh, children without parents, and it's another crime, because like it's stolen children, not just dep uh, deported, it's stolen children from their parents. Uh, and there are, there are a lot of killed children, actually, and uh, I don't know, I guess we are still preparing ourselves for awful images uh, from Mariupol as we saw uh, in Bucha. And uh, I guess that was that will be really uh, devastating for uh, Ukrainians and for the world too. Yeah, I mean, I, one of the things I've been really struck by is that there don't seem to be any good estimates of the numbers of, like, we know how many people lived in Mariupol before the war, we can count the number of people crudely who've been evacuated west, um, although, but we, we have no idea how many people have been killed and how many people have been evacuated, i.e. kidnapped east. Is that right? Uh, yes, and we actually don't know about uh, this uh, killed people because Russians uh, burned their bodies. They actually buried bodies to hide their crimes. Uh, and uh, for me, it's unacceptable, and I don't know how some people and some countries still can tolerate Russia and uh, Putin 
uh, and uh, I, I don't know. It likes uh, there are no words uh, for me on uh, that topic because it's really it's it's really devastating. We have another question from Ev. The floor is yours. Thanks. Um, I was wondering, actually, the, the generation who came of age more or less around 2013 seems to be very proactive. Uh, it's striking, actually. Like, you are in the media, you're doing a terrific job at explaining all, the, all of the issues and stuff. And I was wondering maybe two things. First, um, do you see a difference between your generation and maybe that of your parents uh, first? And second... How do you think that the next generation, those who are growing up right now um, with the current war, how do you think they will uh, react to uh, when, when things go back to normal? Uh, thank you. Uh, I guess we are differ from our parents that uh, we, uh, we are more proactive uh, and be less afraid of something. So uh, we are uh, fighting, we are going on protests, uh, we actually doing something and I guess we feel more responsibility and it's our job to teach next generation uh, to destroy inferiority in themselves and to uh, fight for uh, what is yours uh, and uh, fight for your country, respect your culture, respect your traditions for the first and um, Uh, to teach and to study your history and uh, to be more responsible than we are now. And I guess uh, the main lesson for next generations from all, the uh, all over the world is to uh, uh, study on your mistakes and uh, on mistakes of your uh, ancestors and uh, on your country, I guess. It's uh, the main lesson that we should teach uh, next generations. So I ask all of my guests this because there's so much confusion in the West about language and Ukraine. Um, uh, are you Ukrainian speaking natively or Russian speaking? Uh, I am Ukrainian. And the and in Lviv, Ukrainian is is the kind of common street language, right? Like yes. that's based everybody. Do you also speak Russian? Uh, yes, but I have very bad accent. And, um, and for you, a Russian-speaking Ukrainian, does the language matter? Or, I mean, you know, Putin says Russian has been canceled in Ukraine. And every Russian-speaking Ukrainian I speak to says, yeah, I speak, I speak Russian, but I'm Ukrainian. Uh, as though that's, uh, as though that's, a uh, an a sort of, there's no conflict there. Uh, how do you understand uh, a Russian, Russian-speaking Ukrainians, particularly in the East, with respect to their relationship with Ukraine and their relationship with Russia? Uh, well, um, language matters. It's very important. It's part of our culture code, uh, I guess, uh, of our culture, of our tradition. Uh, but there are a lot of... Um, Uh, Russian uh, Ukrainians who speak Russian and uh, I guess it's okay due to the fact that um, Russian is aggressor not for the past eight years it's like for the past centuries uh, we uh, always have this influence from Russia bad influence and we have uh, wars we have uh, uh, destroy uh, we have like they destroy our culture our language And um, there are reasons for that people to speak Russian, but there are no reason to quarrel with uh, one another. And um, uh, I guess they have to know Ukrainian, but we don't have to force them to, uh, to speak Ukrainian with us. So I guess they will change their language and uh, study hard on how to speak Ukrainian, but, not with, uh, but without any uh, forcing of doing that. Noli, the floor is yours. Yes, hi, thank you uh, for this opportunity. Uh, I want to, uh, as, as a native Russian-speaking Ukrainian, I have my two, cent, my two cents on this, on this matter. So, uh, yeah, uh, so I would like to, uh, to tell you that before 2014, uh, 
I didn't even, uh, you know, I didn't even think about such matters. And uh, as a Russian-speaking Ukrainian, I just, you know, for me, it was totally fine uh, to speak Russian. And uh, I was okay that uh, the other part of my country speaks Ukrainian and that Ukrainian is official language. But since 2014, everything changed for me and for my family. And uh, I don't know how, how to even express these feelings. But since then, even being a native Russian speaker, I feel nothing but disgusting, uh, dis- but nothing but disgust to Russia and, and everything uh, related to that, everything connected to that. So in our family, we started to speak Ukrainian, uh, speak Ukrainian more and more and every day. And uh, actually, these days, uh, I am a father of an eight-year-old uh, girl, and half of her, her life, uh, the last four years, we tend to speak Ukrainian in our family uh, more and more. So basically, now she speaks two languages uh, fluently, like not fluently, but actually as her native languages. And we still tend to speak more uh, Ukrainian, but th- that's, that's just our story. That's, that's uh, the story of, of, of a Russian speaking family from Ukraine. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. I've heard that story quite a few times of people who just at some point in 2014 made a political decision that uh, uh, they were going to be Ukrainian speakers, even though they were native Russian speakers. Uh, is that a common? Is that a common thing, Anastasia? Uh, common thing about what? Actually, can you repeat, please? Uh, the 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 decision among Russian-speaking Ukrainians that now, since two thousand fourteen, they're going to speak Ukrainian. That it's that the it's sort of adoption of the Ukrainian language is kind of a almost a political statement for for people post-2014? Well, I guess we were, um, we have um, more uh, tolerance to uh, Russian language uh, till 2014. After that, we still have more, many tolerance to uh, Russian language. And now there are a lot of uh, Ukrainians who speak Russian. They just uh, change it and uh, study Ukrainian and uh, 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 began to speak Ukrainian, I guess, at that uh, uh, man who, uh, Noli, who speak before me. Uh, so I guess it's a good sign because uh, they uh, really want to be uh, more Ukrainian. So they began to speak uh, Ukrainian language. That sounds right to me. And I'm happy that they uh, 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 came to this decision by themselves. Auntie, you have another question. Yeah. So, uh, uh, our pri- the Prime Minister of Finland, Sanna Marin, was recently visiting uh, visiting Kiev, and uh, she also visited uh, Bucha and Irpin. Uh, so, my question is: Do you think that it's important for uh, Western uh, leaders to to visit Ukraine and uh, visit these places where terrible terrible cr- crimes have occurred, so they they can witness uh, with their own eyes uh, what what Russians are doing? Thanks. Uh- Yes. Yeah, and, and so wait, let, let me just expand on that question a moment, because when we see Western leaders showing up in, in Kyiv, it's never entirely clear to me whether that is, you know, actually valuable to Ukrainians or whether it's merely valuable from the Western leaders' domestic audience point of view. And so I guess I, I want to just sort of amplify uh, Auntie's question by asking, like, do, do you guys care who shows up in Kyiv? Uh, yeah, of course, we care. And we are happy to see how many uh, world leaders uh, came to visit uh, uh, Ukraine to meet with our president, with our prime minister. Uh, how many uh, of them uh, visit Bucha uh, and It's horrible atmosphere here, there. Uh, I haven't been uh, in that places. Uh, not before invasion, not during invasion, not after uh, this uh, massacre. And uh, but I think to me it's sad because you know um, maybe they feel more empathy for us, for these victims, for the cities, and it uh, can help uh, for us to uh, for or, uh, it helped them to provide more help for us. Yeah. So. Uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, Ukraine needs more weapons from the West. A lot of uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, I think one of the things that 
caused the New York Times to write that editorial was the sense that the Biden administration has been very aggressive in providing weapons and may may accidentally provoke Putin. Uh, I don't I, I don't believe that at all, but I think a lot of people do believe it, both on the left of the American political spectrum and on the 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 right of the American spectrum. And so I'm just interested for your sense of how you evaluate the Biden administration. Has it been, you know, obviously you don't been too aggressive and you wanted to do more, but uh, do you understand it as having been supportive and helpful or too tentative or both? Uh, now, uh, Biden administration is very supportive, but before invasion, uh, it wasn't supportive at all, I guess. It was only warnings that Russia uh, certainly invade in Ukraine and be careful, I guess, with you, but uh, can you just provide some weapon before invasion? And um, I can understand why um, uh, um, other people um, afraid of this aggressive, uh, for them aggressive politics from Biden administration, and they afraid for that they, they sent are a lot of weapon. But uh, like um, wake up, people, because there are already uh, World War Three just because just in some moderate format. It's like new for us, uh, and uh, there are uh, it's like a Cold War active uh, at the same time you know we have information war uh, we have a uh, real war in ukraine uh, and uh, russia if uh, we lost uh, the whole world will lose you know and um, you should understand that and other people should understand it and feel some responsibility for their countries and for their help from these countries so uh, you know, uh, Timothy Snyder uh, editorial is actually was very great about it, and I uh, advise you to read uh, from uh, for, for everyone who listening us um, to understand that Russia is aggressor and uh, it won't stop on Ukraine. If uh, Russia actually occupied the territory of Ukraine, the next will be Poland. The next will be. Um, uh, 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 Latvia or some Baltic countries. Uh, the next will be even, uh, I guess, uh, US and some uh, countries of Europe. Uh, it, it will begin real, like uh, it will be. It will be a huge war. And now uh, we defend no, not not uh, our own territory, but uh, territories of other countries. And that's just like that's what we do. And we ask for real support. And uh, I guess it's, it's, uh, it's at least you can do for us. We are going to leave it there. Uh, you can support uh, Anastasia Bakulina's Svidomi Media uh, at the Patreon page. Um, uh, you can, uh, you should uh, 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 subscribe to and share live from Ukraine uh, about both for back episodes, a uh, number of conversations that came before today as well as ones that will be coming in the next couple of weeks, um, please uh, rate and review it so that others see it. And uh, we will be back next week. Anastasia, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. Live from Ukraine is a production of Lawfare and Goat Rodeo. Uh, you know, the engineering, I'm doing it myself because it's Twitter spaces, but it is produced and edited by folks at Goat Rodeo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>